Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, How can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, December 16th. On today's show, we continue our off-season coverage with a look at the three men and women we think are most likely to crack the top 100 of the singles rankings in 2022. Of course, joining me on today's show to have that conversation is Universal Tennis Marketing Manager Nina Pantic. But before we get to that episode, I do just want to quickly give a shout out to all of you listeners, to our Crack Rackets Patreon family for your continued support. A shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. That's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that set, let's get right to it. Here are the players we think most likely to crack the top 100 in 2022 with Universal Tennis Marketing Manager Nina Pantic. Joining us on the podcast once again today, a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. Of course, you know her best as the marketing manager for all things Universal Tennis. I know her as my friend Nina Pantic. Nina, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I can't believe I'm back again. This is shocking. Yeah, I did something right to cajole you into this. Like, I, I got to figure out what that is. I feel like people know me best as the person who wrote tennis.com for like so many years, but yeah. I also love, I want, I'm leaning into universal tennis so hard. So I really appreciate the, uh, the update. Yeah. Tennis.com who never heard of I'm them. drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm, I'm chugging the Kool-Aid and I want everyone to chug it too. Yeah. They, perfect. They should be. We didn't talk about this last time, but I believe universal tennis is now going to be the official rating system and just system for Australian tennis, right? For the federal uh, Australian tennis federation. I don't know if they're a, fed- a federation, whatever they describe themselves as but that's a pretty big freaking deal 
That's a great question. Cause I was like, what do I call them? I think it's governing <laughs> body technically. So that's okay. an absolutely perfect question. And yeah, it's the first governing body ever to adopt us as the official rating. The news just dropped, I think last week. And then the timing is amazing, right? Let's go, let's all go to Australia. So, um, it's a very exciting. It's a very big deal. And we're, we're thrilled about the support and hoping that more governing bodies hop on board. Who knows? Outside of the obvious reasons why you would like it to happen, do you think more ranking systems should turn to these UTR ELO-based systems where it's rating as a set, instead of points? I think so because it makes things a lot more interesting and you can see the, the improvement and the changes in such smaller, finite ways versus like just who, just how many tournaments you've played. And that's kind of a big thing with universal tennis is you're rewarding people for who you've played and how you're competing and who you, who you won games against versus like, okay, you played 45 tournaments. You have this much financial backing. So your ranking is so-and-so. Um, so yeah, I do. But I also think that there's value in having both, you know, for being realistic, you like to see who's number one. So yeah. both is good. I will say this at the boys 12s nationals that we hosted. I'm not going to say who the kids were most because I don't remember all of the names, but we had an explicit incident of a scoring issue where one kid comes off the court and he reports the score and he says, Oh, it was six, four, six, three. And the kid next to him is shouldering him and elbowing him and goes competitive result. And he goes, Oh, four and two, four and two. And the other kid comes back and he goes, no, it was like a little bit later. He's like, Hey, the score was recorded wrong. It was four and three. And it was a whole incident. And it turns out it was four and three, but like people are gaming the system already. I love it. Matters. It. Yeah. It's, I love it's, seeing how, how the, the platform has made, has made tennis kind of change a little bit in terms of how people are competing. Like you do want mm-hmm. kids to play for every game and every point and universal tennis rewards that. Yeah. So I, I love it, but also I, I'm chugging the Kool-Aid. I, yeah, as am I, I will say nowadays it used to, well, I don't know if anyone ever said, well, what, how many stars are you on tennis recruiting? But nowadays, if you are at a local tournament, the vernacular is, well, what's your UTR? Tell me your mm-hmm. UTR. How do I play? Exactly. You know, who am I playing? How do I make that UTR better? Am I in the right sort of draw? It has, you know, colloquially taken over. So shout out to Universal Tennis, not UTR, Universal Tennis now. Um, I am curious. This is a random tangent I'm just going to throw at you. We've been talking about the college ranking system here at Crack Rackets a bit of late, and I know college tennis near and dear to your heart. Would you be? They reset the rankings at the end of each year, so it's a new set of rankings at the start. Would you be fine with a rolling 12-month ranking, a ranking that incorporates UTR? I just feel like that's the most accurate way to do it. I agree. I think it's confusing how it is right now. I think it makes sense for it to be rolling and for it to be consistent, so it, it would be a lot it would be a lot more easier to, to latch on as a fan and to pay attention as someone like you who re- reports on college tennis. It would be easier on us and I think on the players too. So yeah, I, I think it should roll over. I completely agree with you. I also, if you had to guess right now, what's your UTR? Ooh, I think I'm like in the eights. Yeah, no, that feels, yeah, I like for me, this. I think in my prime, I would have eclipsed that 10 number and been double digits. It would have been close. Um, but, like, I think my little brother got to ten one five, and I'm like, I was just as good as you were, please. Um, but that said, like, I uh, I can't do it. I'm, like, afraid to compete nowadays and put up the scores on UTR because I would be devastated to find out what mine is. And it turns out I'm in, like, the sixes and the sevens now. I'd just be crushed. I can relate to that deeply. I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't put myself it. out there. Yeah, we had a tournament one weekend, and we had the uh, big epidemic of the backdraw flu, and so this kid just kept getting pulled out match after pulled out match, and I was like, well, you know what? Like, if you're fine with it. I'll go play you. Like, if you really want to get a match in, I'm in. And he goes, yeah, sure. Like, how good are you? I was like, yeah, we'll find out. And I think he was a 10-3 and ended up losing in three sets, crushing. I 
held this near and dear to my heart. But I was like, let's go. I was like, you still got a competitive result. And so, yeah, I am all in on all things universal tennis. Of course, if you aren't using UTR, you really should be. It's just going to make you a more accurate follower of the sport. You're going to get to follow the nuances. You're going to get to see how all of these UTRs fluctuate given a specific result. Anyways, there's the free universal tennis plug. As always, shout out to what you guys are doing. With all of that said, the reason I wanted to have you on the show today is to have some fun continue our off-season coverage here at Crack Rackets, and we're going to do something a little bit different today. Of course, when you turn your eye towards 2022, most fans will be looking at the big headlines. Who's going to be the favorites to take home the slams? On the men's side, can Djokovic capture number 21? Will we even see him in Australia? And if it's not going to be Novak Djokovic, is it the Daniil Medvedev era? Is it time for Zverev, Tsitsipas, one of those other young stars to break through at the Grand Slam level? Of course, it's Russian roulette. On the women's side, pick a name, put it on a bullet, fire that bullet. That's as likely to guess who's going to be the winner as actually looking at the draw. But of course, we'll have plenty of time next season to talk about those things. Of course, perhaps more critically, in my opinion, the thing all of the players or the majority of professional tennis players out there are seeking to do is crack the top 100 and become a top 100 player for the first time in their careers, establish themselves at the highest level of professional tennis and what we wanted to do today is play a game of speculation jones try and figure out who those players might be who are going to crack the top 100 for the first time in their career in 2022 of course had i been more diligent i would have looked up the full list of players to crack the top 100 on the men's and women's side this season i did not do that but of course you can think of some prominent examples some prominent rankings jumps certainly what we saw aslan karatsev do from the start of the season or start of august last year through now so impressive jensen brooksby what he did at the start of the season just ridiculously impressive i mean on the women's side yes the jumps were more prominent at the top of the rankings but look at someone like a Clara Tawson who goes ra- uh, racing into the top 50. Obviously, Emma Raducanu qualifying to the U.S. Open title. Very cool things happen. Now, before we get into any specific names, I want to ask you, Nina, when you looked at your list, are they all 25 and under? Do you have any 28-year-old veterans, any sneak attack? Because I feel like typically, right, these lists would slant younger. They slanted younger. Sometimes I, I, I did catch myself looking at the list and everyone's under 22. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do feel a little bad about that. But you do, yeah, realistically, if you're in your mid to late 20s and you're in the 200s and or high 100s, you might be there forever. So that's that's why I went young. And also young just feels a little bit more fun. Yeah, I agree with you. It's always fun to envision what these players could be. Of course, will there be a 28-year-old, a 29-year-old who sneaks their way in? Of course. Like, look at someone like Irina Bara. 26 years old, Romanian, 137 in the world, career high, 112. It feels like this could be a year for her where you just sneak in if things break right. Or like a Madison Inglis, if she qualifies at the Australian Open, things break right for her. There's that category of player. But I agree with you. When I looked at this list... Immediately, the first thing I did was went to the live rankings and clicked 25 and under and just looked, okay, who hasn't cracked the top 100? Which of these names make the most sense? So with that in mind, let's get into our lists. I'll open the floor up to you first. Give me, let's start on the women's side. Ladies first. Give me your first player most likely to crack the top 100. Oh, okay. So my three are, are, are a little bit outrageous. I'm going to go with the one I think is the most likely, not because of her where her ranking is right now, but just... In terms of overall her overall resume, so I'm going to go with Katie McNally. Ooh, I like that pick. Make the case. 
So I'm, I'm a big fan of Katie. I know her coach pretty well, Kevin O'Neill for a long time. Um, she was on my tennis.com podcast a few years ago at Midland. I like the way she carries herself. She's so young. I think she's 20 now. So I think the, the potential for her is huge. She hasn't t- cracked it up 100 yet, which is actually surprising. She was, I think 105. Um, but just her overall body of work and how she's training and how she, how she views her career, it, it implies it'll be longevity. So just because she's, you know, thrived in doubles, she's top 20 in doubles, US Open doubles finalist with Coco Goff this year. She's obviously pushed by Coco, who's well inside the top 100. So I just think that given her, her who she's working with, how she's training, how she's acting, um, her scheduling, everything I think is just prime for her to, to make it higher than top 100. Yeah. I think that's a good call. You go back to 2019 where she was 26 and 16 overall and I think it was what semifinals of DC that year and you know qualified for Wimbledon, made a quarterfinal in Houston at the end of the season, qualified for Indian Wells that year as well. She was on pace, you know, 2019 pre-pandemic to make that clear ascension as you mentioned. She was 105 in the world back in 2019, but then whether it be injuries, whether it be the delay caused by pa- the pandemic, she she hasn't quite found her rhythm in singles since that moment. And you look for her overall 33 and 32 since the start of the 2020 season. Again, 500 ball, it's going to be really tough, especially with these rankings protections to have cracked the top 100 during that time period. But to your point, like Katie McNally has proven she has the pro weapons, right? I think that serve, that forehand, particularly on hard courts, it belongs in the top 100. And her net game, that's what I as well appreciate about her is because she's playing so much doubles, she's able to move forward into the court more than other players her age. She's comfortable doing swinging ball. She's comfortable coming to the net, overheads, all of it. And I think that's a big factor um, for someone who's like a well-developed all-around court game. It's just time. You know, some players take more time. Coco Goff didn't need any time. Yeah. But that's okay because Katie is coming. Yeah, and also listen to these losses down the home stretch of the season. Cleveland wins a match, loses to Kasakina three sets. No shame in that. Uh, three and four loss to Pliskova first round of the U.S. Open. No issue with that. Quarterfinals at an 80K in Tyler, but she loses four and four to Beatrice Haddad Maya, who's proven to be a top 100 player. I don't think that's a bad loss. Semifinals Midland before losing in three sets to Robin Anderson. She re- regained her footing at the end of the season, and all signs, I agree, are trending upwards. I feel like Australian Open qualifying is a good opportunity for her to start the season the right way, get into that main draw, win or lose that main draw match. It just feels like on that surface, her weapons, it's an event she should be qualifying for. And I feel like if she does, yeah, catapult to the top 100. That's a, I can't argue with the call. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. I'm, who's, I'm in, uh, who's yours? Oh, this was tough. And especially because when you look at the depth right now of just how many talented young players there are in women's tennis, how many talented young players there are in particular under the age of 25, do you know there are currently 38 players 25 or younger inside the top 100? It's a big number, obviously. More than a third of them under the age of 25. You look at some players, you know, Shin Wang snuck into number 99 at one point, And so she, would, she was going to be my first pick. And then I was like, ah. Oh, no, it was taken from me. And so it it made this list tough. Like I I really do think on the women's side in particular, it's like a lot of these young players have already done it. And it's just like Russian roulette. It's just like pick your name, pick it, you know, pick it out of the hat and and go with it. Uh, this is tough. This is tough. I have like a list of six and I was like, all right, who are you gonna pick here, Alex? 
I'm going to go with someone we discussed last time on this show who we did not sneak into our top 10 American women of the season, but someone who I think could have snuck on that list, and that's Haley Baptiste. I really like – is she on your list as well? She's on my list. She made my list. But when you look at her actual year, it wasn't really that impressive, but we are just like clearly obsessed with her, and I – it's a a, a gamble. We're taking it. Absolutely, and I have Sandy Middleman, who has worked with her some in my ear constantly, and Sandy is just so far on the Haley Baptiste bandwagon that he's convinced me. I'm like, all right, if you're doubling down this much, you must really see something. And when you watch her play, there is a decisiveness. Now, to your point, she lost her last five matches of the season. You know, Azarenka, Trevisan, Navarro, not even going to pr- try and pronounce that one, and Danielle Lau in three sets in Midland and that's, you know, that's a tough, it's the reverse McNally, right? That is not the ending she was looking for, particularly on these hardcore events in North America to end this season. You would think that's a surface where she brings her best, but you look for her throughout the course of her career, and again, of late as well. Haley Baptiste, still just 20 years old, 2019 went 29 and 12. And seemed to really be capturing something. You look for her at the end of last season, you know, uh, was able to play 100K in Charleston, qualify, make the round of 16 there. It's the weapons. It's the weapons. Like, I just, when she's serving well, hitting that first forehand decisively, she plays really good tennis. I was really impressed by her. Um, she, she was at World Team Tennis last year in the mm-hmm. summer uh, at the Greenbrier, and that was a very unique situation, obviously, for many reasons. But she was on alternate. She wasn't supposed to be playing. And she was just so professional and mature like beyond her years she's only 19 then just waiting around for her chance to play and then like when she finally got to suit up i think it was with kim Kleisters. so like she had an incredible learning experience and i was impressed by her, her maturity as well as her dog who's named songa and that's important <laughs> to me yeah it's critical to the development there you got a sound mind on and off the court and yeah again I do why I think it's going to happen in 2022 is just she doesn't have a lot of points to defend down the home. I mean, look for her overall this season or since the start of 2020, 27 and 31. Like that feels like a drastic underperformance for her. And it just, you can correct a couple of things right now. Again, she can qualify at the Australian Open, a surface that should be very, very beneficial to her. It just feels like a pro game, pro weapons, decisive. And so I'm, I'm in. I also love that uh, because we are drinking UTR's Kool-Aid. Um, her UTR ranking is, or PTT ranking is uh, 138. Okay. So it's 30 spots above her WHA, which isn't the most significant difference I have on my list, but it's pretty significant because it's based on her recent results. So it sh- shows her a little bit higher than she actually is. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get into that more later. Well, where's McNally out of curiosity? But it turns um, the same. McNally is, yeah. Yeah, just like 130s Within a few. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, that makes sense. Shout out to UTR. They've got it down. All right. So those are two names on your list. I will go to my next name then. And I'm going to go, I'll stick with the women's side here. And again, there's a lot of good names to pick from. Plenty of players who have yet to make the top 100 debut. Again, I'm trying to slant. Hey, I could have picked all Americans, and I'm really trying not to do that. I want to find, you know, again, who are the other players we should be looking for? Who are the, the dark horse candidates? Uh, this is a bold pick, and I just talked about her with Colette Lewis, so it's in my it's in my mind right now. But like, are we ready to name Linda Fruvertova at 16 years old like a potential top 100 player? I know that's particularly spicy, but she's made four. You know, she made what was it? I think four straight ITF Junior Finals here down the home stretch of the season. Three in Mexico, plus Eddie Her wins that Eddie Her title when her sister Brenda forced to retire in that match. But then you know makes quarterfinals Orange Bowl the next week. Made a quarterfinal in Charleston earlier this season. 
She's really freaking good. And can you imagine just being the parents of the Fruvertovas and just like, you know, casual conversation? Oh, how are your kids doing? And it's like, well, they're both top five juniors in the world. It's ridiculous. I think that's a good pick. It's it's a bold pick. It's what I expected from you. Um, maybe it won't happen in, in 2022, but it will probably happen by 2023 or 2024. It feels realistic just just given how much success she's had. And you never you never know with juniors and it transitioning to the pros, but in this case, it seems like a pretty safe one. Obviously, she's going to have some age restrictions on her as well, so she's not going to get to play the full tour, but she'll play more than she did this year, and you look for her this year, 23-7. and seven in her pro matches like she wins two 15k titles so she's like ah i'm done with the 15k makes a 25k final ah i'm done with the 25k quarterfinals of an 80k qualifies makes round of 16 in cleveland quarterfinals at charleston as well like a i think the wild cards are going to be coming this year i think she'll get more of them and whether it's into a grand slam main draw whether it's just into some sort of prompt like is there any way she doesn't play a – is Linz in the Czech Republic? I think it is. Or one of them. Ostrovel, one of them at the end of the season there is. There is tournaments in the Czech. Yeah. yeah. She, she should get, get a wild it. card into all of them moving forward. Definitely. All, Linz, a, we, yeah. we're, we're calling you out, Linz. Give her a wild card. Yeah, yeah, right away. And they're like, how long do we have till October? Okay, that's fine. Um, like I just, Austria. I, yes, yeah, or, yeah, it's in Austria. Whatever. Okay, but, but Ostrova's in the Czech Republic. I think. Yes. Well, yeah, there we go. Okay, Ostrova with six exclamation points. Give her, give her the wild card. That's what we need. I just think the power tennis, if you've seen her play at all, like she's already got weapons. And just, again, you know what's really dangerous? When a 16-year-old becomes 17 years old. When 17 becomes 18, and it's just like your body now works. I, I, just, I, think, the, I think the world of Linda Fruvertova, she's, again, number four junior in the world. I think you look overall in her matches this year, she's like 65 and 15. That's just, yeah, that's stupid. It's just like I'm in. I I, I think it's a good pick. My my third pick is is not as not as um as young. This is my oldest pick, but she's only 21, so it's okay. Francesca <laughs> Jones. Oldest pick. Sorry, my that's oldest good. pick is 21. It's on on the on the girls. Francesca Jones. I, I don't like know. I pick. I'm a big fan of her. I think I think she's an incredible story. Obviously, for obvious reasons, given her her unique genetic condition and affected her fingers and her toes. People who don't know her story, it's actually it's really impressive. But for her, that's just her normal life, and she's just grinding. Um, this year, the biggest thing she did, she won a 60k. But I just think that she has that fighting spirit, that that X factor. That's my that's my pick. It's a good one, and you're right. It is a fantastic story. You look for Francesca Jones here was, as you mentioned, probably her most successful season to date. She's ending the year at a career high, number 151, and you look for her overall in the year 29 and 20, as you mentioned, wins a 60K and you know makes a final of another 60K down the season's home stretch, quarterfinal of an 80K as well. Now, the one thing I am curious about in her career I don't think we've seen her play many tour level main draw matches and I think I'm here I'll pull it up here overall according to our friends at tennis abstract six and 14 in her career in tour level matches you know when you talk about a Fruvertova she hasn't you know even in her limited tour level matches I would argue she's had a little bit more success I think we've seen Katie McNally was it a third round U.S. Open in 2020 something like that we've seen her have success at the pro level as you mentioned in doubles as well I even think we've seen flashes of Baptiste more so than we have of Jones, who just, you know, you look for her overall in her career. Yeah, she's played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven main draws in her career. Has yet to win a main draw match. Oh, uh, one main draw match. And yet match. she's, she's 151, so that's yeah. not bad. So that's interesting. Now, 
I am curious from a weapon standpoint, and again, you look at some of the numbers, it's it's pretty even across the board. There's no, like, standout. Like, when you look at Katie McNally's service numbers at the ITF level, they pop. Like, you see first serve percentage, or win percentage is over 65, second serve win percentage over 50. Like you can just tell at that level it's an elite serve. I think you can see similar trends when Baptiste plays her best. I don't see anything super elite in the numbers of Francesca Jones, but... She's just like I, I love the way she competes. Like I, I that's why. I, and to your point, one fifty one without the pro reps. Yeah, I, I'm in on that. And so, yeah, I, I could see the Francesca Jones jump. Now, it's who was yours? Well, Who's I'm your saying one fifty is the vomit zone, right? Like, is that in terms of the rankings? What? what well, one fifty is better than I suppose. I feel like. No, it's probably like the three three seventeen, where you're like, oh, I might not get into that challenger. I'm not quite getting into Grand Slam rankings, but I don't want to go and play ITF results because I really want to get into challengers or 60Ks, 80Ks, et cetera, make that next jump. I feel like that's the vomit zone of the rankings. The vomit zone. I, th- I think the vomit zone is when you're not making the main draw of a Grand Slam because that's like the real the yeah. real cutoff between like you're you're a pro and you're you're still fighting. But you're right, 300s is also different a different kind of a smaller yeah. vomit zone. Yeah, another vomit. It's zone. the dry heave zone. We'll call it that. You're sure. Yeah, okay, it's not quite a vomit, but you're heaving. Um, all right, my number three pick. Oh, I really wanted to go with like a Karatsev type jump. Like who is a junior or uh, not a junior, but who is a veteran? Like a I mean, she's a, she's not quite Karatsev level, but like a Jamie Loeb type who's just, you know, been hovering around there. I, I would say that's like a Fratangelo Mitchell Kruger type. I think of, you know, those sorts of players who have just been so close throughout the course of their careers to cracking that top 100 but haven't quite been able to do it. Like, I think, you know, a Caroline Dalahide is on that list. I love watching Caroline Dalahide's game, who's a top 40, you know. Weapons. Obviously. Weapons yeah, we got exactly. there. Exactly. And I just... Like, I feel like she does get better and better every time I see her play. And obviously, top 50 doubles player in the world, if not better, and has had plenty of success on the pro circuit. I also know, like, she is a workhorse. I am, like, so certain Caroline Dalahide will become the best version of herself. It's just a question of will that be this year, next year? I never quit on the Mayo Hibby bandwagon, but I don't know if top 100's in her cards. Again, I was just looking through some names. I'm like, ah, who could be the most fun ones here? I feel like we promised ourselves this would be a short one, so we should maybe move on to the boys. I know. Well, all right. The The wild card pick is Emma Navarro. I just, like, think if she does – if she can replicate her college season where she lost one time last year and then she ends up beating that player, Stella Perez-Somariba, in the final. Yeah, you can tell I'm big on the Navarro bandwagon. Second part in a row. I brought her up. Well, you know, got to plug that college tennis always. I will go final answer. Ooh, I don't know. I'll come back to it with my third. But yeah, let's flip gears. Let's go to the women, uh, the men, excuse me. I know, I feel like the most obvious name on this list, coming on the podcast, by the way, this Saturday, Saturday, 9 a.m. You always love a Saturday, 9 a.m. interview. It's got to be Holger Rune. Like, Holger Rune is going to be number one on both of our lists. We can get into that now. You look for Holger Rune, who I believe was 67th. Uh, in the points race this year, I'm sure his UTR is monumentally above the 74. Top. Yep. Yeah, he's and like in any other year, what he's done this season would have gotten him into the top 100 Four challenger titles, ATP success as well. It's just like this is it's the year 2021. I absolutely love him because I watched uh, Novak's first round match against him. He was a U.S. Open qualifier and they're playing in Arthur Ashe Stadium. I think it was a night match and. He won a set off of Novak. And somebody else on my list also won a set off Novak. 
So that's a spoiler alert. But he won us enough <laughs> Novak, and it was just he was just so incredible and so composed. Things fell apart for him quickly after that, but it was still very impressive. And the crowd kept chanting. Uh, they they would they would scream like rune in such a way that everyone thought they like I thought they were booing. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they were booing Novak, and Novak I think also thought they were booing him, and it was just made for this like incredible atmosphere. And I think it was a very memorable moment. But um, yeah, his four challenger wins are obviously impressive. But that in performance against Novak for me stood out. Since this, I, I've mentioned this stat to the listeners, but I just think it's incredible. Since the restart in August, how many matches do you think Holger Rune's played? Ooh, I don't know. Probably a lot. Oh, so just give me a ballpark. I don't know. So 132. I know. I would never. I know. Wow. That's what I'm saying. It's like. And he started the year playing like futures. He was playing like he won an M15 to start the year. Like that's it's ridiculous, crazy. I agree with he you. He made the next gen ATP finals, which is a significant. He didn't, he didn't win, but he made it. He made them. He qualified. And so there's like you know he's had issues with cramping for sure throughout the course of his junior career, throughout the course of his first years in the pro tour. And yet, how do you juxtapose these two facts? Like I have seen him cramp out on court. He played 132 matches since August. It's like, yeah, he cramps a bunch, but he's 18 years old. I think he'll be okay. He's a former world junior number one. And just, look, there are a lot of wild cards that went his way early in this season. But then those wild cards went away. How did he respond? He wins back-to-back challengers, qualifies for the U.S. Open, qualifies, makes a quarterfinal in Mets, wins another challenger to end the year, you know, makes, as you mentioned, next-gen finals and plays a challenger those next gen finals just to you know remind everyone hey I'm still the guy hey I still got more matches in the tank and you know 132 matches 94 victories like he that's a 71% win percentage if you can win 70% plus of your matches over 15 month stretch I always that's the I call it the 60% threshold you know I love my clubs if you're winning 60% of your matches you are moving up to the next level in terms of rankings wise futures challengers challengers qualifying qualifying etc if you're winning 70% of your matches you're going from outside the top 500 to the top 100 and as you mentioned it what was it 74th in UTR yeah 67th in points accumulated he's 103 in the rankings in name only Holger Rune is already a top 100 player and I like I'm I've already penciled him in 2022 next gen ATP champion and like he's gonna win bought stock yeah he's gonna win newcomer of the year like if you have if you can find those odds somewhere take it to the bank right now because it's the the definition of the ward is the youngest player to enter the top 100 that season it's gonna be Holger Rune it's a good it's a good it's a good bet i like that one yeah all right um who else who else you got oh i, I feel I like you weren't decisive i only picked three and three and here you are with like I know. seven names i make the rules just to break them i know i'm like let's do three and then we end up doing 45 um i mean i could go yuri lachetka i just think the young check is there are a bunch there's so there's so many different young guys like the Lachechkas, the Zooks, the, you know, Kozlovs of the world who all looked really good on the Challenger Tour down the home stretch. And it's just like points-wise, who can who can scheme it best next season? Because I think even more so than on the women's side where it's more pronounced, like the generational shift is happening on the men in the men's game. And it's yeah. not just happening at the top with Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. It's happening at the Challenger level, at the 250 level, the 500 level. You just finally see these guys breaking through. Case in point, the Fritz, Nor whatever affair we had at Indian Wells was the most pronounced example. 
So there are tons of guys to pick from. I love Yuri Lachetska. Like, I really do. Number 141 in the world to end the season. The 20-year-old Czech was a former, you know, top 30 junior in the world. Had a ton of challenger success this season. Reminds me a lot of Marcos Giron. Like, just a younger, uninjured version. Still has his own hips in his body. And there's just, like, a lot of pop there. I like the, the power off of both wings as well. I like the game across surfaces, the fluidity. That would be my next pick. I love the way you pronounce his name. Um, it's okay, because so I've I, been corrected so many good. times for being oh, wrong. Oh, okay. It's not easy, especially with the new players. Okay, so I, I um, unlike you, I have a very, a very concrete list. I'm very passionate about yeah. my list. So I went with something a little bit out of, out of the box. Again, I'm basing this largely because of UTR, but Jack Draper. Ooh. He's going to pull an Emma Raducanu in 2022 because he's ranked on the ATP 265, which is my lowest player on my list. That's, I mean, that's arguably nowhere near top 100, mm-hmm. but his UTR ranking is 149. And that's pretty high. That's a pretty big difference. He's a lefty, which is also just, in my opinion, a massive advantage in life. I think the British uh, fan trail is, is huge. He's going to have so much support. Everyone's like on the Emma bandwagon. Why not Jack? You know, great name, Jack Draper smooth and he kind of reminds me a little bit of brian nakashima who started off 2021 at number 170 not quite as low but low and is up to top 70 so yeah yeah, that's my pick no i like it i mean as the righty brother with two lefty brothers i'm gonna disagree with you i don't think being a lefty is an advantage at all i think it's a major (laughs) inhibiting problem um no it's uh yeah the thing is like we talked about with mcnally and baptiste you just love the pro weapons he has. And I was doing uh, Gil Gross's show a couple months ago or something, and he asked me, well, what was the best match Djokovic has played since, the, you know, since the French Open? And I was like, honestly, like, Draper set two? Like, that might have been the best set of tennis that he played individually. Or just like, Draper, he again, to. he played, yeah, front foot tennis, and it helps to be on grass courts. And certainly he's had some success on the grass courts throughout his career already. And he'll get wild cards into those events as a top-ranked British junior. He was a top-ranked junior in the world. I don't, what's the clay court game is my problem for him. Like, I need to see. Look, he's yeah. 19. Okay. Yeah, there's true. And do the Brits play well on clay? No, it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. It's true. I just, I guess, like a Lechechka, I just like his all, his surface versatility. I'll say okay. a little bit more than Draper, but Draper's really freaking good. I mean, this is a homer pick, and it's not going to be a shock to our listeners to hear me say it. My next guy is Nuno Borges, former Mississippi State standout, number two hundred eight right now in the rankings, which is a career high for him. And you know, he's a guy who was playing futures matches back in August, much like Holger Rune has played 100-plus matches in that stretch of time and has worked his way towards the top 200. And just, I've seen his forehand. I've seen his serve. And I have a theory that, like, again, it's really stupid, but if you're ever the best in the world at something, there's just immeasurable benefits for you moving forward because of the confidence you get from that, knowing, hey, I've been the best before. I know what it takes to be the best. And, like, it's a very small subset. It's like being the coolest kid in your neighborhood – But Nuno Borges was the best college tennis player in the country. And, like, you get a bump from that fact. Look at the past number ones on the men's side. Nori into the top 100. Stevie into the top one. All these guys who have had six. It's just like being the best matters. And he was the best. And I think those weapons have translated. And I think he's top 100 bound. That's a great pick. I think anyone, anyone, especially in the men's game, that can crush the college 
the college tour, it means something. And the women's, it does too, but in the men's, it means something more, I think, because of, of who has done it before and how they've transitioned so well. Mm-hmm. That's a great pick. Yeah. And my last gets- pick is also a college person, but it's a bit, it's a bit more of a well-known person. Cause I know, I mean, obviously I know Nuno Borges is, but not everyone does. Yeah. No, I would say, by the way, Nuno in that time, 102 match. This is, can you imagine playing a hundred plus matches in 15 months? I'd be like, God. I mean, he should have a very well sought out. What's I'm curious what his he's 75 and 27 by the way, 74 percent win percentage. That's a victory. What is what's his UTR? Ooh, because I feel on. like I feel like he's got to be because he's he's ranked 210 right now, uh, a little higher in the live rankings. I feel like he is Ooh, absolutely 147. Yeah, that's a great one. Like that, right? That that's what we're looking for. Those 50 jump differentiation. I lock it in. Nuno Borges, top 100, make the jump. That's a great one. All right, my last one's also a college person. You're gonna love this. The best, uh, the best hairstyle on the men's tour. Oh, JJ Wolf. <laughs> yeah, that's a great call. Again, his his ATP ranking is 174, but on our UTR Pro rankings, he is 1112, which I think is a big a big difference. Yeah. Um, oh. and he has that college that college flair we love, and he has that hair that is unbeatable. I, I mean, that's honestly why he should be the top pick. Yeah, it's. Yeah, not even the serve and the forehand, which are that good, um, but like the hair. It's top 100 hair. You belong in the top 100. I agree with you. Well, I mean, you saw him when he's healthy. He doesn't – A, never has lost a challenger match in Ohio ever. Um, B, like, yeah, he's ripped through challenger hardcourts. Now, I think we've seen him play like five matches in his career on clay, and obviously that's something he's going to have to prove he can do if he wants to be a sustained top 100 presence, but – yeah, no argument there. I think another American, although he's got a lot of points to defend and a lot of things broke right for him, but like Max Cressy, former UCLA standout. He almost made my cut, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, is he a top 100 UTR right now? I imagine no. Cressy's just outside. He's not. Let me look like up. Yeah, because he's got to be close. 112 now in the live rankings. 153. Yeah, oh, so that's interesting. He's much lower UTR-wise than he is in that. I blame that servant volley. It doesn't factor in the servant volley. Not the grunt. Yeah. <laughs> Cressy's amazing. If you ask, ask if you ask Max Cressy right now how good do you think you are, he'd say probably top 10. He'd be like, I think I'm probably number 8. Like, Confidence yeah. is important. Oh, and he's got it in spades. The flip side to him of like, you know, again, like, uh, of J.J. Wolf, who'd be like, who's the guy who's built it all on hard courts? The flip side to him would be, you know, the clay court guys like a Sarundalo, like a Thomas Martin Echeverry. You know, all of those guys have been hovering. They've had a ton of South American clay court success. Like if I, I'm telling you, when Francisco Sarundolo wins a South American ATP title next year, it should surprise none of us. <sighs> I'm going homer pick, though, with my last one. Give me Kozlov. I'm, like, wow. I've been on the Kozlov bandwagon since wow. since he was nine. And I watched okay, him. I've known him since he was, like, four, and I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there, I'm speechless. I this is, like, some, this is bias. Yeah, uh, unequivocal. I'm being clear about this. And let's be also clear, if you want to hear more from Stefan Kozlov, go check out the mini break podcast we did with him last Tuesday. You can hear my interview with him where he speaks very candidly about what's changed for him. And it's just listening to him talk. And I know sometimes on court there's flair, there's antics, and he'll let that get the better of him. But listening to him talk, there's a focus that just didn't exist early in his career. And with the guy, he was the original Medvedev, Nina. Like, I stand by this take till the end. Best 12. 
I think his potential for top 100 has always been there. There is yeah. no one who would doubt that. So it's not it's not a bad pick. It's a great pick. But yeah. it's just, is this the year? I mean, I hope so. It's the serve. It's the forehand. And you know what the other thing is? It's the fact that he has nothing to defend the first half of the year. Absolutely no points. Because his resurgence did not start until July. And, like, some of this is math. Like, you have to play the math. And from a rankings perspective, and that's why JJ, JJ, JJ's a, JJ's a, JJ's a great, great pick as well. But like, this guy has very little to defend at the start of the season. And it's just like... Yeah, why can't they make a jump? I think Kozlov was top 120 in points-wise. I'm curious what he is, UTR. You're going to love this. He's 89. Oh, yes. Yeah, lock this is it a good in. Pick. Lock in Stefan Kozlov. That's my God, final pick. I hope pick. so. I hope this is the year. Yeah, there's there's some other fun ones. Jason Sung, the former world junior number one, who doesn't have the biggest weapons, but for me it's a physicality thing. Like, I think he'd get there. One other name, and I, I can, if I may ask for one more UTR search, will you look up Dominic Stricker, the, you know, former world, I think junior French Open champion, now 19-year-old Swiss, you know, 246 in the world, but he won a challenger earlier this year. He's got to be in the 120s. He's not. He's 207. Oh, that's too low. That's that is low. look. Oh, look! I'll go change the algorithm for you. Yeah. <laughs> this is some math based math based stats. Have you can't ever even looked, change it from the inside? Have you ever looked at the algorithm? It is impossible. You are not allowed to access such a thing. This is it's it's, it's the secrets are are locked. Really? They don't even barricaded. Like One cannot just Nina look Panther. at the algorithm. <laughs> I've always. So I've messed around in trying to put together a rankings algorithm. Not that I know how to do it, but I can speak with people who know how to code it correctly and just how you weigh each different thing. And like, God, I wish I was that smart. Like, I wish I had heard that. I cannot imagine. Yeah. I I am the dumbest person at Universal Tennis. (laughs) I cannot imagine. Don't sell Parsa that highly. Come on. He is not. They made an app as well this year. We have a new app, Universal Tennis app. And I'm just like looking at how, how they built out an app. It's you don't want to see how the sausage is made. You really yeah, don't sometimes. You're like, but do you want to see my top 100 list for 2022? <laughs> like, you can't do that. That's oh. true. And then they'd bring out a type. They'd actually be like, actually, if you check the numbers, these are the We can. Players. Yeah, most likely based on projections. I love it. Well, any final thoughts? Any players we missed? I'm, I've listed 35 honorable mentions. Is there Look, anyone on your As list? someone who didn't who didn't cheat. Actually, I did have a few other girls. I had Harriet Dart and I had Anna Blinkova on my, like, backup list. Yeah. Did you see the photos of the Dan Lebetard show doing the serving with Riley Opelka this weekend? Of course I did. So did you see Stu Gatz with the cigarette in his mouth as he's getting ready to serve? I wanted to tweet, I wanted to do a retweet and capture it and say it's Harriet Dart uh, because obviously he had the dart in his mouth, but I was like, I think that would be a joke for six people. So I left it. No in one control. will get it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, if one person laughs, the joke is worth it. That's my, that's my rule to live by. Uh, and it's usually me. So I'm like, I'm good. I'm set. Um, but yeah, so uh, Harriet Dart's a good name. Does Venus Williams ever re-enter the top 100? Oh my God, don't break my heart. I can't even. <laughs> okay. I Okay, I thought that, that she was going to play the Olympics and then just call it. And mm-hmm. then when neither her or Serena played, I was... I was like, there's no point predicting anything anymore. I have no, I have no thoughts. Mm-hmm. I the one I would no. hope for is also CC Bellis, who's a top 100 player when healthy. It's just a question of can she be healthy, and so that's someone I would like to see re-enter the top 100. But all right, with all that said, 
those are your top 100 players we see potentially breaking into the uh, breaking into the top 100 in 2022 of course thank you as always nina any anything to plug anything we should be looking for i feel like i've plugged heavily yeah you know Go download the, the app minutes. universal tennis you will not regret it <laughs> yeah no doubt about that start submitting scores should we have a race to see which one of us can get back to being a 10 utr first i would be down the the issue is i'm really lazy but we can try <laughs> Like I paint, I play now only for money. I'm like, oh, I'll do like lessons. Yeah, that's about that's, it. No, I'm retired. I agree with you. I, I hung up the rackets. I'm a podcaster purely now at this point. But then with that said, Nina. You have no time. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. But with that said, Nina, thank you as always for joining us. We will talk to you again soon. I can't wait. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Universal Tennis Marketing Manager Nina Pantic. A thank you to her, as always, for taking the time to come on today's show. And if you're not already, of course, follow all of the amazing work being done by Universal Tennis, of course. Also, if you missed any of the other conversations we are having here at Cracked Rackets, we are trying to cover this offseason from every angle, talk about each level of the tennis world, whether that be the pros, college, or juniors. If you've missed out on any of that content, you can catch up on it all on our website website crackedrackets.com of course if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod a shout out as always to our super producers max leader and daniel westoff for the f- of an editing job they do day in day out a shout out as well to our friends at tennis point remember go to tennis-point.com use that promo code cr15 with all of that said for our fantastic guests nina pantic super producers fliegner and westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 